My next guest is a true American hero. In fact, received the Medal of Honor for his actions in Vietnam. He's a retired colonel, United States Army. He's done a lot over the years with NBC, MSNBC, but he was on with us just a couple of weeks ago on the remembrance of the 50-year anniversary when the Vietnam War ended, and he was so good that I had to bring him back right away. And with all that's going on in Russia and China and Poland and all over the world, I couldn't think of a better guy to discuss it than American hero Colonel Jack Jacobs. Colonel Jack, how are you this morning, buddy? Uh, very well for an old man, but thanks for having me on the program, Sid. <laughs> you're not old at all. You're you're young and feisty and exactly what America needs to listen to every morning. So, Jack, let's get right to it. You know, I got these, uh, my sister, she's a liberal, and uh, Rachel Maddow on television last night, and they're gushing, gushing over this beautiful photo of Biden and Zelensky as the sirens, which were not real, that was choreographed, are blaring in the background. And what they don't seem to understand is, although that is going on, and they're crying because they think it's so beautiful, there's a serious deal going on right now. Like, World War III is moments away, and that means nukes. So I would advise these people to stop gushing and start paying attention to just how serious this situation is. What do you think? Well, it's a very difficult situation to be sure. Uh, the Russians originally thought they'd be able to take the place over in about two seconds uh, for a wide variety of reasons, including uh, Russian ineptitude on the ground, its inability to use all of its forces properly, poor leadership on the ground among the Russians, the feistiness of the of the Ukrainians, um, and a host of other things. That didn't happen. Now, they've pretty much settled in for the long haul. The Russians have resorted to their uh, their default use of weapons, and that is indirect fire, artillery, uh, missiles, uh, drones, and so on to attack uh, Russian infrastructure and cities. And the Ukrainians are waiting to get some weapons so that they think they might be able to counterattack, although that's going to be extremely difficult to do as well. Uh, the Russians are arrayed mostly across a river, and you always need a three-to-one advantage if you're going to attack an entrenched enemy, and lots more if you've got to cross the river first. So I think the expectation that this is going to be a long, drawn-out affair where people are shooting each other with indirect fire, that's that's something that we, uh, we, we probably are going to assume is correct. And that leaves what... Uh, the question about what uh, what Putin's going to do, um, I've always said that because they've used chemical weapons before, uh, that's probably going to portend that they might, in a difficult situation, use chemical weapons again. So these are difficult times for both sides. And uh, because of the internal problems inside Russia, you got the guy who's running uh, the Wagner Group, is standing up to Putin and trying to make a play himself for some control inside Russia. Because of all that, there's dysfunction, and dysfunction frequently results in uh, in catastrophic consequences. Yeah. People tend to do things they otherwise wouldn't do in situations like that. No, you're right. And on top of that, Putin's crazy anyway. So you combine those yeah. two things, and it's dangerous, Colonel Jack. Now, to your point, he has used chemical weapons before. Yesterday, he said, I am suspending 
the nuclear treaty with the United States, which, of course, makes uh, United States folks scared to death because he's got the nukes. Now, Ron DeSantis and Marco Rubio feel like it's more like him posturing. But well, like what you just said, you combine the fact that he's desperate, he's crazy, he's used chemical weapons before. So do you think suspending this nuclear treaty really may, really may be, I should say, step one in him actually using nuclear weapons? I think it's unlikely, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. One of the interesting things to remember is that, though, he said he's going to stop participating. uh, They have the Russians have not permitted any of the inspections for a long time, any of the inspections that are required by the treaty. So this has been some time in coming. Uh, and it's not surprising that they would do that. The question is, if they were going to use nuclear weapons, what kind would they use and to what end? And the only thing that comes immediately to mind is the use of tactical nuclear weapons. Uh, nobody's used them before. Uh, only The only nuclear weapons that have been used is strategic nuclear weapons, and we use them uh, to end the Second World War. It's, it's unlikely that nuclear weapons... Uh, would be used because of the because of the line that it crosses. But yeah, but, but let me stop you for a second. You just said something very interesting. Well, you, likely. Yeah, but you said something very interesting. So we used two nuclear bombs, like you said, in Japan, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, to end World War II. Now you're talking about a different type of nuclear weapon. What is the difference? Which one's more deadly? What is the main difference between the ones we used in Japan and the one you mentioned just now? Well, they're all deadly, but you could argue that the use of tactical nuclear weapons in many respects is far more deadly because it will mean that escalation to strategic, large-scale strategic nuclear weapons is more likely, and that would be devastating. So that's why I think that people are going to shy, shy away from using nuclear weapons of any kind. I think it's interesting to note that when I came into the Army in 1966, there were tactical nuclear weapons down at battalion level. Battalion has about, you know, six, seven hundred troops. So we have young sergeants using small, very small nuclear weapons on the battlefield trained to do that. Well, we took them out of we took them away so that people don't have nuclear weapons down at the tactical level. But those of us who spent a lot of time in the, in the military studied the use of tactical nuclear weapons to deny areas to the enemy, to destroy enemy formations, and so on. That's not part of the that's not part of the doctrine anymore. And the the objective is to not use nuclear weapons of any kind, tactical, the little ones, or strategic, the big ones, because it would be devastating for absolutely everybody. Which mm. And I'll say it again, that means that it makes the it makes Russia's use of chemical weapons much more likely. Mm. If he gets into a pickle, I would be surprised if he doesn't use them. Sir. Medal of Honor recipient Colonel Jack Jacobs. So we're talking about what Putin's going to do and how the Ukrainians defend themselves. But Americans want to know, what are we going to do? There are folks like Janine Pirro and even me who have said, this is way too much. We're giving them way too much money, too much weaponry. Others say, Sid. We don't have a choice. If we don't do it, then the possibility of World War III looms even larger. We got a blank check. Tony Blinken said yesterday it's not a blanket check, but it is a blank check because every couple of months, another half a billion, another half a billion. What is the right answer here? Are we basically in bed now forever with these guys until this war ends? Well, the decision to provide money in arms is a political decision. Every It was Clausewitz who said that war is politics by other means. 
And this is certainly one example of it. I think the NATO's decided, and the United States has decided uh, that the, that particularly the European allies are so concerned about uh, the about Russia moving into their area, not just in their neighborhood, but moving in to NATO areas. That uh, that uh, it's everybody is willing to make a stand, and it almost doesn't matter what cost it is. We. We've printed money for a long time. We have inflation now, not because we sent, we bought arms to send over to the Ukraines. We've got inflation now for a wide variety of domestic reasons, money that we've decided to spend and have spent and will spend on things that run the tab up and make uh, and, and and make inflation uh, what it is today. Uh, I'm not saying that it's a drop in the bucket. But at the end of the day, there are lots of reasons for inflation, and one of the one of them might be providing aid to Ukraine. But many people, most people, who are thinking about this clearly have come to the conclusion that it's worth it, because the alternative is uh, Russia swarms all over places right. and makes our lives much yep. more difficult. We don't yep. want that. To happen. So in uh, the last 60 seconds, Colonel Jack Jacobs, again, a great discussion, as it always is with you. Uh, tell me this, the Biden administration, specifically Joe Biden, how do you think he's handled this situation with Ukraine so far? Well, it came late to the party. I mean, there were people who were calling for uh, something to be done early on. Uh, we have we give intelligence to the Ukrainians and some of our allies do as well. We knew the Russians were going to attack. We all waited until the Russians actually attacked before we even started thinking about assisting the Ukrainians. So pretty good since then, but came late to the party and as a result gave the Russians an opportunity to make the inroads that they did. I would have acted sooner. Thank you for your service. Thank you for this great conversation. Please keep coming back. I love the fact, Colonel Jack, that you're back on the show with me. It was too long. So thank you again this morning, and keep up the great work. You're the man. Thanks. Thanks, Sid. Anytime. All right. There he is, Colonel Jack Jacobs, recipient Medal of Honor, true American hero, Vietnam, and he's got a great take. He knows all those specifics about weaponry and war that, uh, quite frankly, most of us have no idea about. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.